Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, all you movie fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. We have a very special show for you today, folks. For filmmakers Walter Dominguez and Shelley Morrison are here to discuss Weaving the Past, A Journey of Discovery, their inspiring documentary about Walter's journey back through time to connect with his heroic Mexican-born immigrant grandfather. Now, Walter served as writer-director for the film, and Shelley, his actress wife, who before uh, before seeing Weaving the Past, I knew best for playing Rosario, the feisty housekeeper who was an audience favorite in TV's Will and Grace. I think she was supposed to do one episode and ended up with 68, and she produced this remarkable documentary, it's actually a labor of love involving an 11-year search for clues in El Paso and in Mexico. Now, before hearing from Walter and Shelley, that's just kind of whetting your appetite, dear listeners. But first, let's check with Nikki Starr to see if all systems are go in the chat room. Nikki, is the chat open or for, open for listeners to sign in? It is open for business. We have some guests and we have some listeners signed in, and we want to thank them so much. Yes, I, I feel the, the same way, and I, I'm kind of peeking there into the chat room, and I see one of our old friends that we haven't seen for a while. Allie is in the chat room. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says that she's actually on the computer today when our show is live, so hooray for Allie. We're so happy that she could that she could be with us. Uh, she usually has to listen to the archives, and we thank heavens for the archives. We really appreciate all our listeners who sign in to chat and everyone else who listens in uh, to the to the archives, of course. And we also appreciate Walter and Shelley taking time to be with us today. So it's my great pleasure to bring them on now, ladies first as usual. It's such a treat to have Shelley with us. She has over 20 films and 200 TV appearances to her credit, including such movies as Divorce American Style, which I saw when it was first released, and How to Save a Marriage, and television programs, as I mentioned before, Will and Grace and Laredo and General Hospital and The Flying Nun. And I remember her, I mean, just cracking me up. (laughs) In The Flying Nun as Sister Six. (laughs) So welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters, Shelley. Welcome, Betty Jo. It seems that both of us are movie addicts. I was listening to the music for the opening of your show, and I was getting goosebumps. Oh, well, it, it gives me goosebumps, too, whenever I hear it every every Tuesday. But I, I have a feeling that you were a, that you were a movie addict. And uh, Oh, my God. I used to, as a kid, I loved, as, as a little kid in the Bronx, my mother would take me to the movies, and I would memorize not only the people that were in it, but who 
directed it, who was the cinematographer, who was the editor. I mean, I loved it. I loved every part of it, and I still do. I do too. We're soul sisters. I and even used I even used to write to the movie stars and ask for their autographs. You know, uh, their the photographs and their autographs. I used <laughs> so, to put their pictures on my wall as a kid. You know, nowadays yeah. they have you know uh, Justin Bieber and all of that. I had Lewis Hayward, Dennis yes. O'Keefe, Edmund O'Brien, Jerome Cortland, who then I worked with on The Flying Nun. William Holden that I ended oh. up doing a movie with. I mean, hello. Oh, oh hello is right. William William Holden bestilled my heart. Well, oh, what a, when, you, what when a I say you have a over... man. Oh, what a brilliant mind he had. He brilliant. did. He did, and such yeah. charisma, charisma on on screen, and so um, so, so sometime. We need to have you back, Shelley, to talk about some of the, uh, some yeah, of your other movies weaving besides <laughs> Weaving the Past. But and we're so happy that you that you could be here. We feel the same way about Walder, who's waiting patiently, <laughs> and he has experience as a director, writer, and producer, and is no slouch where films are concerned either. He has. To his credit, one of my favorite movies, Oklahoma Crude, with George mm. C. Scott and Faye Dunaway. Yes. Plus, uh, uh, People Toys with Shelley. I think you were you were in that one. Yes. And, uh, he was also Bonnie, uh, worked on uh, Andromeda Strain. Yes, 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 yes. So, so he's he's not as much of an addict, I'm sure, as we are. But Walder, congratulations <laughs> on your remarkable work as the writer and director of Weaving the Past. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having us on. Oh, I'm, I just can't believe that we were able to get the, get the two of you together on he the is a movie on the attic. He We've is a married movie in addict. August. It'll be forty years, and so the two of us are absolute movie fanatics. <laughs> so so it's, uh, it continues on. Well, and to get to work in the industry uh, where you have a have a passion for for what's going on, I think that's that's wonderful. My my husband is a movie addict too, uh, quite an enabler for me in terms of, <laughs> of making sure I get to the movies that I want to see and talking about them afterwards. And when we were in San Diego, he actually served as the as my photographer when we would go to film festivals or when we would interview. Uh, the stars that would come to San Diego for the for the premiere. So, so we so the four of us ought to get together sometime and talk about movies. Wouldn't that be great? That would be great fabulous. to me. That so, if you fabulous. ever come to Pueblo, Colorado, oh, it's went, a beautiful place. It is. It is. We we love it here. But but I I have um, so many questions to ask both of you about your uh, wonderful film, and of of course you know. Because um, I did send your publicist a link to my review of the film, you know how much I I loved it. I just found it inspirational. Uh, it even made me feel like uh, I wanted. I just started yearning to find out about my grandmother who stowed away on a boat when she was 14 years old and came to to America all by herself. And she was leaving some things behind that that she couldn't take anymore in terms of politics and uh, I guess personal. But I I never knew exactly what it was. And now she's gone, just like your grandfather was gone when you started to think about this. And and it's just um, 
uh, it's just a, a film that um, it's not just a documentary, but you had reenactments of yes. things that you found out about your about your grandfather and the, the reenactments. It was just like we were, you know, we were watching kind of a, a fictional, mm-hmm. you know, a narrative movie. You put everything into it. But but Walter, what uh, what was the most satisfying to you about working on on this documentary? Well, before I get to that, I just really quickly want to thank you very much for the wonderful uh, words that you wrote for your review and for your response. Uh, it's very heartening, and uh, and, uh, and many people have been very touched by the film, uh, and it's left them, uh, like you, wanting to uh, find out more about the remarkable people in their families. And I think that probably to answer your question, the thing that has changed most for me or the way it impacted me the most is that it gave me an opportunity to really, really delve into the life of my grandfather, the part of his life that I didn't know anything about. In fact, very few of the family or none of the family really, really understood uh, his childhood and his his youth. He just sort of emerged uh, uh, as this remarkable young man here in Los Angeles, but he had he had 25 years of of experience before he came here and uh, began his new career. He had a whole life that no one really knew about. So by finding this out, uh, I really came to appreciate the enormity of my grandfather's accomplishment. And by doing that and putting myself into his shoes, into his life as much as I could trying to understand the circumstances of his times and of his the history of the the, the era that he was from and the, the people that he was uh, involved with and what they faced putting myself into that I, I absorbed a lot of it and I'm, I must say I came away feeling after this long journey feeling really different feeling stronger feeling more proud of myself because I'm part of this remarkable group of people and um, and, and it gave me a deep understanding of the culture and, and its history that my ancestors came from. So it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to, to feel that and to know that on a very, very deep level. It certainly had an, had an impact uh, on you and, and a very, very positive one. And Shelley, um, you were the, the producer. Now, last, last week we had... Uh, Daniel Rosenberg, a producer, that, that explained to us the importance of the of the producer in terms of the uh, of films, and I I wasn't aware that you had you know that you had gone in this direction. So, um, what? Well, how did this uh, film how impact did it come about? you? Uh, we we go back to the early '60s here in Los Angeles. And uh, I was acting. I was doing winter stock, summer stock, bus and truck mm-hmm. companies, a lot of stage. And I became uh, the youngest female legit producer in Los Angeles. Wow. And I produced the West Coast premiere of Tennessee Williams' Sweet Bird of Youth. And I oh. produced Hamlet with Guy Stockwell. I produced a number of original musicals. So producing... When I was working early on in television um, and also on stage, I wouldn't go hide in the dressing room uh, or just sit there until it was my turn to come out there. I would watch what everyone was doing. I wanted to learn everything. 
especially in film, I wanted to learn about the camera and the lenses mm. and the sound equipment and everything, uh, editing. Um, and I felt like this giant sponge, and I just wanted to absorb it at that point to know how I could contribute what my job was and what their job was. I took it all very seriously. Well, and I chose to be a character actress uh, mm-hmm. for several reasons. The parts are better, there's lo- longevity, and there's less maintenance. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have to go out and, you know, buy the latest fashion thing. I, I don't know much about fashion. Um, well... That's not my priority. And so I've always felt that I, I, I've always encompassed everything. And Walter, uh, when he started working on this, I was doing Will and Grace and also dealing with some health issues. But I was very supportive. And uh, we've put our own money into this film uh, because we believed in it. And then about oh, I guess two or three years ago is when I really came on board, so to speak. And uh, Walter has been... uh, We love working together. That's good. It's Walter's film. It's Walter's film. And I was... My main objective, not only in getting the film done, that because Walter is in the film, that the film captured his essence. Yes because he was leading the audience through this whole story. And uh, animals, children, people gravitate towards Walter because of his, he has a very kind soul. And the film captured that. It certainly did. And once you, the audience is in your corner, you can take them anywhere. And uh, the film means a great deal to the two of us. It's, it's, Oh, I don't know how to put it. It's We really believed in what we were doing. And when you have the opportunity to do what you believe in and work with people who are so wonderful, 75% of the people who worked on this film, we've known over 25 years. Ah. Well, so there was always this family feeling, this feel, You know, nobody was going around screaming. Nobody was, you know, pulling some stunt or it's, it's the journey has been the reward, Betty Jo. Oh, my gosh. I, I was just thinking how lucky Walter is. He found the perfect uh, producer for this movie. Isn't that right, Walter? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> the thing about it is, Betty Jo, um, if I could just mention the editing process for, yes. for a moment. And and that really, uh, there was so much of it was difficult in the, of the whole process of making the movie. But... Uh, Meeting people and getting the interviews and getting the footage uh, uh, in general was very, very, it just, the gifts came and doors opened. And and it was a matter of just showing up and really being there and paying attention and and getting all these wonderful interviews and all these wonderful moments. Uh, But I had accumulated almost 400 hours of footage. And so I was facing a mountain of material to go through, and it took time. And Shelley was very, very helpful because from time to time I would reach that place where everything just started looking the same and I couldn't make decisions as to what is better than something else. I really had a lot of great stuff. So I would, she would come down and she would look at the footage and she would 
See, these are the moments that I think mm-hmm. we really need to share with people. And she kept that. She kept doing that for me over over the two years of time it took to really get it down to the the length and the edit that you that you've seen. So I really appreciate uh, her ability, her judgment, and her. Well, and that's an important uh, that's an important task. Uh, yeah. You know what to help decide what you're going to put put in the the editing. Uh, so. Um, it's great that Shelley was able to do that, and and she probably did it better than anyone else could do because she knows you and what what you were wanting to to have to share with to share with people. Uh, but there had to be a lot of challenges <laughs> with with this. And so, Walter, what did you find the most challenging thing? You were talking about getting the you know getting the interviews, and of course, you use lots of archival, impressive archival material and i don't know where you got a lot of that i mean it was it was so uh interesting to see but what did you find was the most challenging thing as you about making the film well i think the hardest thing betty joe is just because to tell the story and often and sometimes this happens with documentaries for there to be a resolution and a, and a satisfying conclusion there ha- time has to go by because events have to happen and unfold that you're recording and trying to document. Uh, and but life has to present the conclusion. And uh, part of the way, you know, in uh, there were obstacles. For example, my father got really ill and, and finally passed away, and oh, and that was sorry. devastating. It was hard to want to go on after that. Uh, it took me time to recover. Uh, Shelley had issues. There were, there were a lot of things that were pulling me away and. And making it difficult, but um, uh, I think I think in the end <laughs> I think in the end needing to have a satisfying ending, and when there, when finally something really truly miraculous happened, which is in the film, uh, uh, that reconnects me with family. Uh, it it uh, I think at that point I knew I had I knew I had a, a something there to share with people that would offer them a kind of a climax or a a satisfying conclusion but then it was a matter of shaping the story and telling it in a way that was was coherent to people and entertaining at the same time so that took that took a long time so um well, those are some did, obstacles well yes and and you rose to the occasion i i do get a little bit oh bored with talking heads documentaries mm-hmm. and this yes. certainly was not that <laughs> this was anything but that so i appreciated that but shelley you were you were wanting to say something i think you were reacting to something that walter said do you want to chime in well a couple of things uh the, the film has a catharsis and so people can relate to that and yes. also there's there's there are audience members out there that are so tired of coming out of a movie humming the car crashes. Yeah, right. Or the explosions. <laughs> yes. And uh, there are people who who, who want to connect on, on a different level. They want to be engaged. Uh, as Walter said, uh, so many people now are, are talking to us that they want to connect with their elders. Yes. Uh, a lot of the young people in our family who have seen a screening of it, uh, Walter's sisters, the twins, they're 17, and after the film, his sisters said they wanted to stay up all night talking about the movie. And, wow, I mean, the, what greater gift can you give someone to 
think and feel and feel good. There's hope. There's a lot of information in the film. There's a lot of history. And another thing, a lot of the kids were saying, we, we did, they didn't teach us this in school. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're, we're touching on a lot of things that, that people haven't really delved into. That's for sure. And speaking of the screening, uh, as I mentioned to you uh, before the show started, I was fortunate enough to uh, watch the YouTube video of the uh, audience reaction after the first uh, screening of Weaving the Past and talk about uh, enthusiastic responses from the audience. I mean, you just just absolutely wowed them. when was that screening? And let's see, it was in the Chaplin Theater. Uh, Walter, can you tell us a little sure. bit about that screening? It was April... It was March 17th. 17th. And it was at uh, an old film studio here in Hollywood called the Raleigh Studio. And uh, it's across from Paramount. It's a much smaller lot, but it's got a lot of history and a lot of character. And it has a wonderful uh, screening room, a theater, in the studio called the Chaplin Theater in, in honor of Charlie Chaplin, of course. And uh, so we screened it there, and uh, uh, and it was just a very powerful experience for all of us because, uh, honestly, I I had a feeling that, that people would enjoy the film, but I really wasn't prepared for the level of, uh, of in, emotion and enthusiasm pouring out of people, and people stood in long lines to, you know, wanting to talk to me and congratulate me and Shelley, and, and it was... It was it was one of the most amazing moments of my life, I have to say. Well, I'm so glad that there was there is that video, and I would encourage uh, listeners to um, to go to YouTube and just click on or or put the topic in audience reactions to weaving the past, and it'll just show you how this film is uh, moving everyone and and touching uh, their souls practically. So. Well, while we're talking about that, I'm kind of skipping around a little bit, but I want to make sure that um, the listeners know where they can find out more about Weaving the Past and and what's going to be happening next. Uh, Will it be uh, released as a DVD? Uh, I I think you're going to be showing it uh, at a a museum. uh, We're we're showing it May 18th at the Linwood if anyone's in the Los Angeles area on May 18th at the Linwood Dunn Theater, which is part of the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences, Walter and I are on the board for the Museum of Social Justice. Oh, and Walter right. and I are hosting a screening of the film, and uh, whatever ticket sales there are will go directly to the museum. Great. And that's, that's May 18th? 18th, Saturday night at... Uh... At uh, 6 o'clock is when the reception begins. And uh, we, we it's going to be a lovely evening. And uh, uh, it's in a wonderful theater. Of course, it's the Motion Picture Academy, one of their one of their three theaters. And so the projection is top of the line. The sound is top of the line. And the, it's a lovely theater. And they have a beautiful lobby and reception area. And we're going to have... Uh, refreshments, hors d'oeuvres, and, and a red carpet for uh, there's some fine actors that are going to come and support us and, and some other uh, VIPs, a civil rights leader, famous civil rights leader, right-hand man to Martin Luther King, uh, Reverend James Lawson. So, you know, this is 
this is really a, uh, an incredible kind of c- coming out party, so to speak, for the film to the public. Uh, and uh, so, if anyone would like to attend, uh, it is a benefit. So we're asking for donations. Uh, there is a suggested donation. If you just go to the museum website, you can get all the information you need, and that's www museumofsocialjustice.org That's so exciting and uh, LA listeners be sure to mark your calendar for for May 18th. I I wish that I I could be there and but I will be will be there in spirit and I I wanted uh, to know then how um do you expect that this DVD because I did see this of course, I know it's a screener, but will there be a DVD that people can order, like on Netflix or at a certain website? There will eventually, um, okay. and and it'll be a, a you know a lovely Blu-ray with a 5.1 surround track on it. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, we did a 5.1 mix for it because one of the things about the film is that there's so much music layered, yeah. and um, so. Uh, um, Shelly said her phone just died, so I'm going to keep her close to me, and when you have a question for her, I'm just going to put her on, and then she can hand the phone back to me. But uh, uh-huh. the, there's so much layering of the of the music in the film, and we, we have so many wonderful, talented people who worked on it that um, we wanted to have a really, really good soundtrack. So, so we'll have a 5.1 surround mix uh, for the DVD. But what we're doing first, Betty Jo, is... We're rolling it out slowly. We're, take, we're next probably going to be going to San Antonio, Texas area, and then as people find out about the film, other people will ask if we could come to their region and screen it there and work with uh, several groups and, and screen it. And It'll go into film festivals, and at a certain point, if, uh, if there is no distribution, uh, regular commercial distribution for it, uh, we'll self-distribute it so many documentarians are doing and we'll make it available online for downloads and for deep purchases of DVDs. Well, great. It looks like you've you've done some excellent planning on this and I've visited the site. Now, that's a wonderful site that that you have where you uh, you have these stills of the uh filming, the various scenes. I oh, put yeah. a couple of them up on the up on the uh, Movie Addict headquarters site for the show. Great. And uh, so why don't you give the URL for that site where people can find out more information? Well, it's it's the film's website, and that's www.weavingthepast.com. That's simple. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would urge people, you're going to learn a lot when you go over, go over to that site. And speaking of learning, um, what surprised you? I know we don't want to give everything away sure. because we want to leave some surprises, but what surprised you the most about what you found out about your your grandfather in Mexico, his early years? Well, I, I always assume my grandfather was a, you know, he was a poor boy uh, who ran away from home at age five because of uh, abuse from a stepfather and, uh, and, and, and ended up in this Hacienda working from the age of five on as a um, as a worker there, and uh, but you know and he was he didn't know how to read until he came to the United States and he was sent to a boarding school here by some kindly missionaries, uh, 
But the man was far more sophisticated and far more aware and far more skilled than I ever realized. And I, th- I think when I realized the people that he grew up with, that he was associated with, the events that happened in his life that thrust him into a uh, much more uh, sense of maturity uh, and experiences he had forced him to grow up faster. And uh, <clears throat> and it just made me aware that uh, he was already a remarkable young man uh, way before his amazing career. So uh, it gave me a huge respect for him and appreciation of what he had to deal with and how he dealt with it so well. Well, he uh, he was really quite active in Mexico. Yeah. Yes, he the, was. Uh, in, I mean, and, and associated with, with some pretty uh, powerful people there in terms of the um, Mexican Revolutionary Movement. And yeah. I, I imagine... That you that that was was a surprise to you because it, 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 his uh, he was seemed to be quite different as as you knew him. Am I reading that right? Yes, yes. Well, of course, when I knew him, he was I was uh, he was already when I was born, he was already a man in his late fifties and um, or even a little older than that. And uh, so he had already mellowed in many ways, and he had also become a Methodist minister. So he was dedicated. Mm-hmm. A peaceful, uh, nonviolent resolution of conflict. And matter of fact, I witnessed times where he uh, would would go out and mediate between uh, immigrant workers and fields and their uh, the owners of the ranches. And he would always find a way for for a compromise or a resolution. And so uh, you know he he was that kind of a man. But he was before then he was associated with people who. Uh, were revolutionaries, and at yes. a certain point, they could, found that they could not make affect any changes in their country of Mexico through uh, normal means, through peaceful means, and finally got so to the point where they took up arms and and uh, were trying to begin a conflict, a revolution to uh, overturn the the dictator there. And um, so it was it was a very different experience from from what I knew him as. So it was a big shock to me and. Uh, and I needed time to figure out what were the conditions to to understand what drove him and his friends and and and, and millions of others in Mexico to to uh, uh, rebel and 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 ha- it was the most violent revolution and most uh, bloody in world history. Even the Russian Revolution, in terms of the number of percentage of people who were killed. The Mexican Revolution was in our history was the worst. It was one out of five people died in that revolution. Oh wow! The violence, yeah. So to come out of from sort of a violent uh, past like that, and uh, and then to become this uh, minister who was uh, helping with nonviolent. <laughs> yeah, know. just a very. It was just a, it was a change. Lo- it's, it's done so well. You've done you did this so well in the film, and the. Reenactments. I'm fascinated by the reenactments of uh, your grandfather's past over in in Mexico. And you did, as I understand it, call on some of your relatives to play roles of their own ancestors. Yes. Can you uh, talk talk a little bit about that, about the reenactments, and how how you you got your family involved in in do, they did they did great jobs too. Well, you know, it's it's interesting, uh, Betty Jo, that I, I what I learned is that uh, the talent and the artistic 
bent of people kind of runs through our family. And, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and I really learned this as I was working on the project. I had a couple of uh, friends that I knew who were professional actors, so they took some of the lead roles. But uh, my nephew took the lead role of, of uh, my grandfather as a young man. and. Oh. He did a wonderful job, and my uh, other nephew took uh, the role of uh, Proxidus Guerrero's best friend, Francisco Manrique, who dies tragically. And, and so, you know, it it was like, wow, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of very good talent in these young young people, and um, uh, so it was it was a it was a journey of discovery, just learning, you know, about that. And uh, uh, it took a lot of time to do the reenactments, the planning for them. The actual shooting of the reenactments, because we were on a very low budget and people had, you know, to work and they had their schedules and everything, we had to shoot quickly. So it really required a lot of planning and pre-visualizing and figuring out what were the essential moments uh, to get, and then focus on those. So um, uh, it was it was fun doing the reenactments, but it was really hard work. <laughs> well, I'll bet it. That it was. Did you use in in that part? Did you use kind of a storyboard? Sometimes you see that writers and directors are using a storyboard as they do the film, or just work directly from the script. No, I, I storyboarded things in a very rough way. I couldn't afford to hire a, a, a an artist the way a big time movie uh, would. Uh, that would uh, beautifully, you know, visualize uh, every a- camera angle and, and, and depict the actions in them. But I did learn from a, a master of film. I, I, I have to say I was truly blessed. Coming right out of college, <clears throat> I was able to have the opportunity to be uh, an assistant director trainee under the great uh, f- film director Robert Wise. Robert, oh my gosh! Robert yeah. Wise edited in, in Citizen Kane, and he directed everything from The Sound of Music to uh, to uh, Star to uh, Star Trek, and then Andromeda Strain, which is the film that I worked with him uh, under under his wing on. And um, he had a huge Bible that they kept on. They called it the Bible on the set, mm-hmm. and it was the storyboard for the entire film. And everybody on the set could go, the wardrobe person, the camera guys, the prop guys, they could go and they could they could spend and they could see what how it was going to be angled and everything so they could prepare, make sure they had everything ready. And uh so he stuck pretty closely to to the storyboard as as did Alfred Hitchcock, uh, who did so much of it uh in in that phase. So uh, on a much more modest scale uh, I tried to follow that example, um, and it helped. The planning really is so much better when when you can pre-visualize it. You can't oh, always yeah. do it perfectly. You you have to adapt uh, because conditions change. Suddenly somebody's not available, or the prop you thought you were going to have is not there, or the the sets had to change at the last minute. So you you have to do a lot of adapting. But at least you have something to go by. Absolutely, and what. Um, the archive archival material that you that you used uh where did most of that come from walder well a lot of it came from uh this huge archive in mexico uh their national archive as a matter of fact that photograph of proxidus guerrero that sort of gets me going on the journey uh the discovery of that photograph in our family um 
we ended up donating that, the whole family, on the behalf of the whole family. Shelley and I went down to Mexico and donated it. They had a ceremony and everything to the National Archives of Mexico. But they, in return for this very special photograph of one of their national heroes, the only photograph that they'd ever like it uh, in existence, um, they uh, gave me permission to go through their archives and pick the images that I would need. So uh, it was a very wonderful circumstance. There were several other archives in Mexico City. There were archives here in Los Angeles area. Um, I had to kind of go to different places to find different elements. But uh, in any case, um, I was also very fortunate because in my research, trying to find out where my grandfather's, where he got started in his career, I ended up going to this old historic church in downtown Los Angeles on the L.A. Plaza. It's a very old church. And I, that day, I happened to happened to be a person there who had found these f uh, photo albums in the basement of the church and had rescued them and had put them in, in safe storage so that they wouldn't be ruined. Uh, and uh, she said, I should definitely look at the pictures. I did. There were hundreds of them, almost 2,000. And it turned out my grandfather was in scores of these pictures. So it was an incredible revelation. And I felt led. I felt like a spirit had taken me there that day. And, uh, you know, and we have hence, since that time built a whole archive around that collection of photographs. We sort of established a whole museum based around this collection. And that's remarkable. Well, lots of remarkable things have happened because of <laughs> weaving the past. And I can't help wondering, uh, there was, you just uh, were relentless, I think, on this journey and this mission. But I, I don't think you knew that it was going to take 11 years for... No, I, I had no concept, and it's a good thing I didn't. I might have given <laughs> up, you know, earlier people. It's hard to think, wow, I'm going to be doing this for this many years, that's... Mind blowing. <laughs> I know, but what kept you going during the, that long a time with with this? Uh, I, uh, what would you pick out as the main thing that kept you going? I think it's just because every time I was maybe getting, uh, you know, like I don't know if I can keep going. You know, this is this is taking a lot of energy, a lot of time. There's other things happening. Uh, it's costing money and so on. You know, all these things that you you think of. But then something amazing would happen, like the discovery of these photographs. Mm -hmm. And and then suddenly I would just go, you know what? I can't give up. This this was meant for me to discover and to come across. I need to do something with it. It's meant for me to do something with, not just turn my back on it. And right. it would keep happening, happening like that. Well, I'm so glad that you didn't that you didn't uh, give up. And uh, I um, oh, I'm so. Uh, Sorry that I haven't been uh, paying too much attention to the chat, and and um, we have Allie still in the chat, and uh, happy to be there, she said. We have uh, several other guests who have come in and haven't identified themselves, but we also have Boston Red on the world, and we have Exposing Demons too. so I want to welcome um, those uh, guests who have identified themselves in the chat room, and I know that they're really, really enjoying hearing you talk about uh, weaving the past. Now, uh, the time is going by so fast, Walter, but I just want to ask you, um, and and then Shelley, I hope we have time to hear from her one more time. I just want to uh, to ask you, what is the most important thing you would like uh, our listeners uh, to know about you and your work? 
that um, there are heroes in our in our lives and in our world, uh, and that we can get inspired by them. We can tap into them uh, in a time where there's so much uh, violence in our own country, and uh, all of us are, are a lot of times are so upset or even scared at times, or just thinking about you know what's happening. Um, that we, we we have to remember the heroes and tap into them, and um, that draws inspiration for us, and it keeps us going. And that's what I'd like people to take away. And, and uh, when they see the film, that's what I hope they'll come away. They'll feel inspired. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to light my candle. And if I don't have a can- if I don't have that feeling of lighting the candle, I'm going to find those people or those things around me that are going to inspire me, so that I will light my candle and keep going. Well said, and that's why I thought this was was so inspirational. And if you could give Shelley the uh, phone for uh, so that she could make one last uh, comment here, and I want to thank you so much for being such a terrific guest, Walter. And thank you. I really appreciate this time, and my greetings to all of the people in the chat room and on the listeners. And here's Shelley. Thanks, Hi, Walter. My phone went kaplooey. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, did you have anything else that you would like to add? I just want to thank you so much for being here and for for being a wonderful guest today, Shelley. You did a great job producing Weaving the Past, but I wanted to give you a chance to to make a last comment. Uh, any uh, anything that you would like to to add? What I'd like to add is I'd like to thank all the fans out there who supported me through a lot of years and who gave me the privilege to make them laugh. Oh, that is such a great answer, and you certainly (laughs) did make a lot of us laugh. And I just wish you and and Walder such success with this uh, wonderful documentary and um, also with the new one that I think you've you've been working on about the history of Los Angeles. But the time is is up and um, I'm going to have to wrap things up and I, I want to take this time to thank you both again and to thank uh, Nikki for all her help and to thank the chatters that have been with us and all our other listeners. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. I also want to thank Blog Talk Radio, uh, the folks there for their for their support. Please come back next time when our guest will be the famous movie mom, Nell Minow, who will discuss her book, 50 Must-See Wedding Movies. And the infamous mad movie man, A.J. Hockery, will be here to co-host with his usual amusing flair. So it should be a fun show. Don't miss it. In the meantime, don't forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks. So here's the talented A.J. Daniels to take us out with the song Nikki and I dedicate to our Blog Talk Radio listeners and today to Walter Dominguez and Shelley Morrison.
be and be true. 